Hello and welcome to episode 10 of IBE. I'm Isabel, your host for today's podcast episode. Today's episode of IBE focuses exclusively on creativity, activity and service, also known as CAS, one of the core tenets of IB, which is necessary to complete in order to earn the IB diploma. However, as you see from this podcast episode, here at IBE, we believe CAS is so much more than fulfilling requirements to earn your IB diploma, but to give back and make a difference in society. But before I go on, do follow us on Instagram at the IB Experience to stay updated when we release new podcast episodes. And you can DM us there to ask questions about IB. Alternatively, you can email us at myibexperience at gmail.com. That's myibexperience at gmail.com. For this episode, I'm joined once again by my classmate Wuyang, as well as his friends Javier and John, to share about uh, a, service, a service project that they came up with as part of their CAS requirements. So can you gentlemen please introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Wuyang. Um, my subject combi when I was in IB was um, HL, History, Econs, Literature, SL, Chemistry, Math and Chinese B. So I actually know the two of them um, from, actually from even before I started this project, we were already friends in secondary school. Yeah, so with me is John. Hi, my, my name is John Tung and I take uh, Bio, Chem and Econs and at the lower level I take Math, Language and Chinese. So how I know the rest is uh, we, were, uh, we were secondary school classmates um, in either Sec 1, Sec 2 or uh, U3 and 4. Uh, and yeah, we became good friends first before we wanted to come together and build this project together. Um, my name is Javier. Uh, my subject combi at higher level is Physics, Math and Econs and at standard level is Chinese B, Langlit, and Chemistry. Um, so like John and Weyang explained earlier, we were friends in secondary school, and when we got to IB, we decided uh, to get together in order to create, uh, to start the service project. Okay, let's just jump right into it. So as we mentioned, uh, we believe that CAS is more of just like, oh, writing a certain amount of reflections or writing a certain amount of hours. And perhaps what we did in CAS or our requirements for CAS are different for future batches of IB students. But the heart behind it is the same. It's to make a difference using the talents, using the resources that we have. So for you guys, uh, what do you feel about uh, needing to do CAS? And how did you take this opportunity to like give back or to make a difference with what you have? Yeah, so for me, CAS, um, it was a huge part, part of IB because it really helped to, I guess, balance out the academic aspects of having to study coursework and all that. Um, it really gives you a chance to grow personally and also, during the same time, give back to the community that you're part of. Um, yeah, so for us, the three of us, we actually are doing um, work with our uh, a region that's very near to our school and we're helping the underprivileged children there with some of these their social development skills and emotions and all that. So I think that it really gives you a perspective of the world and it helps you to understand what you are doing everything for. You know, why are you studying in the first place? Because you really want to be able to contribute to the society that you're part of. Yeah, so I think John has some very good ideas about um, how CAS has contributed to his, to his life. Yeah, so, so as we all mentioned, actually, uh, this, this CAS project that we did, uh, which is called the Youth Collective, um, is actually, was actually a very large part of my IB um, journey. Right, because um, you know, before we, we were the ones that actually founded this uh, this enterprise itself, uh, and um, the, even the process of beginning this enterprise itself was a very eye opening journey. Uh, why I say this is because um, 
you, you begin to encounter more uh, functional leadership in the sense that uh, there is no sort of fixed program or uh, schedule that you're supposed to follow, but rather you are completely in charge. You are given, uh, you know, you're given complete control and a thought of that complete responsibility over the entire process. And that really teaches you how to be adaptable, to be resourceful, uh, and then to really uh, how to lead a team, um, building it from scratch. Now, I, I think uh, as Weyang and, and as Javier will also share later on, um, yeah, the, the beginning was actually a very rough start. Uh, in fact, we were rejected multiple times before we could even actually secure any sort of um, support from community partners as well as sponsors and even beneficiaries. Yeah, so Javier, maybe you want to share uh, what were some of the challenges that, that we faced? Can't hear, okay. Sorry, what was the question again? Sorry, let's backtrack a moment because we kind of jumped in. Um, let's backtrack a moment and share about, I guess, where the genesis for this idea started. Okay, firstly, if you had to explain the youth collective in one sentence or in a few short words, how would you explain your enterprise? your service project to a nobody like me. Uh, I mean, a... Uh, uh, Sorry, that's sexy. <laughs> <laughs> to, to someone who's outside the team, who's the Sorry, yeah, to, uh, to, to an outsider like me. Okay, so uh, in short, the Youth Collective is a platform uh, for youths to take a greater ownership in the community uh, through direct social work with beneficiaries. Um, and on top of that, um, it differs from other organizations since it allows youths to take on a more proactive role in developing, designing, and implementing the program uh, as we go along. So in short, the Youth Collective is a social, it's a social enterprise that is founded by youths, run by youths, and developed by youths as it continues to progress. So it's flexible in the, in the way that you can really link up to any beneficiary that you desire and is willing to work with you and then um, just run a program from there? Not so much, actually. Uh, in fact, we, are, we have chosen to specialize mm -hmm. in vulnerable children, uh, particularly oh, yeah. children who do not have a strong family background at home. Mm -hmm. uh, and we wanted to specialize in this, mm -hmm. actually, uh, because we felt that there was a missing gap in the community. How we differ from other social organizations is that typically youths uh, at our age would not have a very proactive role mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the leadership or in terms of designing the program mm -hmm. because these are already institutionalized uh, and are inflexible. Mm -hmm. um, so in that aspect, we, we differ because youths actually play a very large role in our organization, right? In building the programs and implementing them. Okay, I'm guessing that, John, this was... Uh, you, you first came out with this idea and then you put different people to come along with alongside you to help you to make this idea of reality. So that includes Weyang and Javier. So Javier, I think you, you, were, you came on board with it, right? Mm, and definitely. there are many different kinds of like other, I guess, service learning projects you can do, or even CAS projects that you can do uh, that presumably requires less effort because uh, some CAS projects are just organized by a school or external organization as a very top-down approach where you're just the basic hands and feet. Whereas this kind of service learning projects where you actually have to actively lead and all that. So what drew you to the project? And uh, yeah, what inspired you to join this project? I think what really drew me into this project was when John pitched it to me was um, because it was really born out of a, out of a need 
for youths that have a greater role uh, in designing these programs. So when John told me about his experiences in uh, local community-based um, feedback sessions that, uh, that are regularly held, um, I noticed that uh, normally youths are given more of a role as manpower in a sense in order to yeah. um to work with the children mm -hmm. so but then um as he began explaining it to me then i also found that because there's a greater ability for you to connect with vulnerable children mm -hmm. um there should be a greater role given to youth in order to plan and design these programs so that the reach can be stronger mm -hmm. um and then that will be a better bridge um between organizations and the beneficiaries mm. which in this case is the youth mm. so actually in secondary school there have also been opportunities given to us in order to uh, be engaged in volunteer work but as i mentioned earlier these were mostly just reduced to um, being the hands and feet of of a larger organization which we didn't really have a say in designing or planning the programs so um, when john told me about this idea i felt that uh, it was something that was really missing in the community now, which was what was most inspiring. Yeah, so I guess one key thing about CARES projects that uh, you really can think about making an impact to is seeing the needs of your community and what is missing in those needs and then thinking about how you, with your resources, with your talents, can step in to, to supply that need. Can you all share further into what uh, beneficiaries that you've collective has linked up with and kind of like what programs have you have you carried out okay so um our, our bread and butter program is actually a primary school mentor mentoring program actually connected with a grassroots uh, primary school sorry with a neighborhood primary school uh, and we conduct weekly mentorship programs uh, over there so what does this mean this means that uh, every week a group of volunteers we would go down to the primary school and we would conduct modules with these uh, with these children that has have already been handpicked uh, by the primary school uh, to have a lacking family environment. At, at the primary school, we uh, conduct non-academic modules such as rugby uh, or such as uh, dodgeball, right? Where we actually you know give the children leadership positions to uh, to lead the other children that right uh, and to achieve a common objective uh, through the programs and also regular uh, reflection sessions we hope to inculcate uh, values such as teamwork leadership responsibility uh, within the children and yeah ju just surround them in a very nurturing and positive environment that they can grow up in uh, which they may not be able to find uh, at home or outside yeah so like i guess a bit more about our the, the children that we're actually uh, working with so a lot of them have, as John mentioned, have very low family support and um, they spend a lot of after-school hours actually hanging out at void decks, playgrounds, and sometimes they get they mix up with um, lots of good company. So what we hope to do is that we hope to occupy the time with meaningful activities that, as John said, can help them grow and develop their personal skills, their social skills in the process, and really learn how to, I guess, work with other people, how to be able to have that self-confidence to operate in the society in, in which they live in. Um, I guess the children also walk away with a lot of, I guess, fond memories of, you know, doing things with us, creative arts programs and all kinds of um, different activities, fun uh, games that we also organize for them. 
and um, it gives them hope, I guess. That, that's one of the most important things that we hope to achieve. To let them know that you know there's someone in this community who actually will be willing to spend time with them, talk to them, and really understand you know the troubles that they face and help them you know, work through their troubles. Yeah. If I can add one more thing, I think uh, what gave the name to the program, uh, what gave the mentorship name to the program was also because um, the youth volunteers served as mentors in a sense to the children uh, in uh, working as role models for them mm. uh, in terms of behavior, in terms of speech, and the way we carry ourselves. Uh, so that we can allow these children to grow up in an environment where they have positive role models to look up to and to emulate. Okay, thank you for sharing. Um, as with any service learning project, uh, you probably run into some challenges, like some difficulties. I think you all especially mentioned that uh, only at the start, you all uh, had, had challenges getting the project up and running. So would you all like to elaborate or what some common challenges one might face in a, I get a CAS project and how you overcame it. Um, yeah, so, so I guess like what something that really underpins all the challenges that we face is that we always like to talk about how we have no safety nets. All we have are ourselves in terms of the planning and organization of this entire team. So there's no teacher there to nag us, oh, you need to submit a proposal, you need to come up with this, this, this. And a lot of this, uh, our own initiatives, our own foresight in terms of planning, in terms of being able to come up with the program and you know, doing all these things like approaching organizations to pitch our ideas and to garner support for the program. So, but the good thing is that a lot of our volunteers are firstly very passionate about service and secondly, they have a lot of experiences um, in actually previous um, community service projects that they can bring to the table. And because of all that, our processes at the beginning was actually helped out. Yeah, so, so to add on, another challenge that we faced was workload. So as first-year JC students, we were also very cognizant of the amount of of our core responsibility, which was to be a good student. Um, and many times we even struggled just to handle the acad academic workload, uh, not even to mention um, the amount of additional work that we had to contend with in terms of designing the program, you know, contacting stakeholders and going down to meet them. So I remember very fondly how after 4 p.m. days, we would quickly take a catnap at the back of class and then we would quickly change up and even rush down to uh, the different organizations, and then we'll pitch to them, right? And by the time we come back, it was already evening, and we'll be so shagged out that we'll just collapse on the sofa and just like, uh, just just be just take a quick nap, uh, and afterwards eat dinner, and then, uh, go and plan for the next day of meetings, uh, reviewing the past progress. Uh, then it was it will be very late at night before we can even start doing our work, and then we repeat it the next day. Yeah. Um. I think for me, one one thing was. Uh, also perseverance because of uh, the fact that uh, when you're faced with rejections over and over again then um, after a while it made you doubt how how much of a need that your program is actually serving uh, because if people don't find it relevant enough to, to back it then it will put a lot of doubt in your head so I think one thing that we really had to go through was uh, to believe enough in the needs that we are fulfilling in order to keep pitching the program to various organizations um, upon being rejected. And one more other thing was also being able to manage expectations uh, because before we pitch the idea to anybody, uh, we have a lot of grand ideas in our head um, about what the program would be and what we would do with the program and the impact that it would have. Uh, maybe born out of the passion that we have to serve this need. Um, but when it came to the stage of pitching and discussing 
our ideas with the biggest organizations, we came to a point where we had to accept that we were going to start out uh, perhaps on a smaller scale uh, in order to build the kind of trust and uh, relationships with the various organized partner organizations uh, before uh, we can expand to mm. fully fulfill the whatever broad vision that we had at the start. Mm. I just want to add as a disclaimer though, because Weyang mentioned about, I guess, lack of teacher mentorship. For most CAS projects or self-initiative projects, there will be a certain degree of Oh, oh dear, sure, sure enough. That's okay. That's okay. Have, yeah. yeah, there will be a certain degree of teacher mentorship, especially if it's if it's with the school. Uh, this project is a bit special because it was really self, self-initiated service project. Yeah, but uh, at the same time, when you hear about these things and you feel quite daunted, please know that your teachers are always there to, I guess, support you, listen to you, and guide you uh, even more so uh, without hand-helding you in the way that you might have previously experienced in, in uh, before your tertiary education. Yeah, in fact, teachers endorse this podcast. Okay, to add on to Isabel's point, um, I must really give it to the IP teachers uh, who are extremely understanding uh, with our workloads and were more than willing to negotiate the uh, deadlines for our assignments. Um, I think also, as much as we like to take pride in the fact that this was self-initiated, we also... Uh, credit a lot of uh, the ability to reach out to garner more volunteers, especially from the incoming batch of IB students um, to school leaders. Or some of the school leaders uh, who were very supportive when we told them about the idea uh, and allowed us to introduce the program uh, to some of our juniors mm. in order to get more volunteers, especially because we may not be so familiar with the students in the batch below us. Okay, as a kind of a wrap-up for this podcast episode, I'm sure in our CAS experiences, we learn many different important life lessons. Uh, It's an important period of growth. So for each of you, what is just, I guess, one or two things that you've taken away from this service project? I think for me, one of the key takeaways was uh, to overcome challenges, you always have to go back to the purpose of uh, why you want to do something. So in this case, uh, it will be why we want to pursue starting a service project, uh, which will which actually helped us to overcome many of the challenges that we've mentioned before of uh, uh, persevering through different phases of rejection uh, and uh, different phases of planning and coming out of the program. And so I think that um, to keep going back to the purpose and the why of why we're doing things uh, for us, which was to serve this need in the community, um, then uh, I think that is one of the key ways that you can overcome adversity and challenges and continue to persevere. Mm, I, I agree with that. Uh, another thing that I have also taken away is that when the going gets tough, I have Weyang and Javier. <laughs> no, okay. Uh, in, all, in all honesty, um, I think this, um, this process has really shown me the importance of a good team, uh, being surrounded with people who are equally driven uh, by the same reasons and, and, and share the same passion towards the common goal, right? Um, and this kind of bond allows us to uh, just sustain through even the most arduous moments uh, because when I'm feeling discouraged, I, I know that these two are there and they're working uh, equally as hard to make this, put, to pull this project through. Um, and yeah, this is one takeaway that I will uh, hold closely to myself uh, for the rest of, uh, from, 
for beyond my IB journey because uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's an important lesson for the other portions of life, for the other walks of life. Yeah, so I think for me, um, one of the key takeaways after joining the Youth Collective is that really there's no limits to what you can do in your IB journey, right? So for us, we started this when we were 16, we first had the idea when we were 16 and um, what would 16 year old know about starting a social enterprise, about starting a self-initiated project like this? But we soon realised that you know, with a lot of the support that we received, we were actually able to do all these things that we didn't really think that uh, would be possible for 16-year-olds. So I think that do not limit yourself to the constraints about what you think you can achieve as a student, but really go out there and seek things that you're passionate about and you know, commit all your time and effort into it. And I think that you'll see the results of your service there. Uh, I think uh, to add on, I just want to, to challenge the uh, those who are coming into year five or, or those who are already in year five and moving on to year six next year. Um, just just cherish the time that you have in IB. Uh, make it meaningful uh, to yourself. Uh, and meaningful to yourself can mean a lot of things. Uh, it can mean you know being more involved in your community, uh, leading a CCA, starting something new, just like what we did. Um, just don't waste your two years. Right? So you surround yourself with good friends, uh, go and achieve what you want to do and just leave these two years, just walk out of the gates of you know AC, right? Feeling fulfilled and that you have not wasted your time there. We've come to the end of this podcast episode. So thank you very much, Isabel, for having us. Thank you, Isabel. Uh, thank for you, more Isabel. information on the Youth Collective, uh, you can follow us on Instagram at the Youth Collective. That is T-H-E-Y-O-U-T-H-C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V. Would you all like to plug uh, your, your, yourselves? Yeah, so uh, my name is John. You can follow me at chan.weam. Thank you.